search to find the truth inside my youth the past is proof i'm living they convolute and ridicule the fruit from whom was given a new direction intersect the skills i'm representing on expedition souls religion left me off the itching Hello there, and welcome to another episode of The OK Show. It's a podcast brought to you by The Current that features real musicians talking about their real lives. My name is Andrea Swenson, and on this week's episode, we're talking to Minneapolis-based rapper Greg Grease. Polish, low and polish, vintage mode exotic, on ghetto safaris, no games, never Atari, instances may be scarring, but we live for tomorrow. Tomorrow is another day we celebrate. We made it a long way. If it seems like you've been hearing Greg Grease's name a lot, that's because he had an extremely busy 2015. Not only did he put out a full-length record called Born to Lurk, Forced to Work, but he followed it up with two EPs and probably guested on at least half a dozen tracks by other artists here in town. Greg also appeared on Open Mike Eagle's podcast, Secret Skin. And it was there that I was intrigued by just how candid he was in that interview. If you know Greg at all, or if you've seen him out and about, you'll know that he's kind of a quiet guy, even though he might deny it. He hangs back, soaking up his surroundings, kind of taking it all in. It's part of what makes him such a compelling writer, and his reflections on modern life and the dynamics of the city are both personal and poignant. Greg sees things in our city that we don't always like to acknowledge or talk about out loud. He sees the divides in our scene that keep our music community segregated, and he's worked as an activist and as a socially-minded artist to help fellow artists of color create safe spaces, celebrate each other, and support one another. He was part of a showcase at the First Avenue Main Room last year called New Space that set out to do just that. I was excited to unpack all of the layers of Greg's artistry, from his approach to writing and the backstories of some of his songs, to his thoughts about race and social justice in the Twin Cities. I hope you enjoy learning about Greg as much as I did. Hello, Greg. Welcome to my house. For sure. <laughs> Thanks for coming over. Cool. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. You've had a really busy year musically. So I actually, I kind of want to start there because you've put out a full-length record yeah. and two EPs. Yeah. What was it about 2015 that it was just a very ripe time for you creatively? Really, I just, you know, I try to continuously progress, you know, so... In the past, I might have had like a level of what I was doing, but I try to always just do more and be better, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of just like, yeah, you know, like, let's just see what we can do. Let's see how many songs we can make and if they're good, you know? And um, I actually have another EP coming out, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> when is that one out? <laughs> um, Hopefully within like the next two months. Okay. But don't uh, take my word for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you must be writing pretty frequently. Like, do you write every day? Um, no, not really. Um, I kind of write when I'm like inspired. I'm not really good at like, um, just like sitting down and writing, you know? Yeah. Um, but luckily I'm, I'm around with like a lot of really cool creative people and they inspire me a lot cause you know, we just have writing sessions. And so that's kind of how like the EPs worked out where they're like collaborative, you know, with the producer sure. and with different people that I was having on the songs. Um, and really my whole album, like most of the music I make is normally with multiple people, even when it's like just me on it. Yeah. That helps a lot because I'm, I don't often write actually. 
So you wouldn't just sit alone and create like in a vacuum. I mean, I I do sometimes, but normally how it'll it'll happen is if I do that, then I'm going to bring it to someone else and be like, what can we do with this to make it, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of like never or not never, but rarely is it a just me thing, you know? What do you look for in a collaborator? What's important to you? Energy. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the energy. Um, If you have high level energy, it's fun, you know, and. I just like to have fun with it. (laughs) My favorite person to collaborate with, I might as well just say it, is Proper T, my cousin. He's a singer. And this dude, you put on a song and he's just like, ah, yeah. All right, we'll look. We'll look. We should. And I'm like, yes. You know, it's good energy and it inspires me. That's, I think that's probably better, you know, than just trying to be by myself because then I'm like, oh, overanalyzing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have a question for you about energy because I was listening to all of the music that you've put out this year. And one thing that really sticks out to me is that the vibe of the music is very laid back. And like almost if you don't really pay attention to the words, you kind of just float on this like really rhythmic, almost hypnotic mood and mm-hmm. tone. But then if you do listen to the words, it's you're actually talking about very serious things mm-hmm. um, about your life and about things that you observe in the world. How do you balance those two things? Is that something that you think about um, doing consciously? Um, not really, but I think it mostly has to do with like um, my taste. Like mm. I, I mostly listen to like laid back music, like jazz. I listen to a lot of jazz, a lot of easily easy listening music. Yeah. Because I just like to, because there's always so much going on, you know, I need music calms me because mm. I have a lot going on in my head. Yeah. And so music calms me a lot. And so I think the sounds, like soundscapes and that type of thing, I'm I'm attracted to like, you know, really calming music. And then the words, you know, that's all the stuff that's going on in my head, you know. And so I think it kind of coincidentally happens that way. But yeah, that that's a cool observation because I never really thought about it that way, but it's <laughs> totally true. <laughs> yeah. What kind of jazz do you like? I listen to... I mean, all kind of different jazz, but mostly like like older, you know, I listen to like a lot of Monk and Mingus and I like Art Art Blakey and I don't know a lot of different people, a lot of different people. But yeah, I I like the like mellow, like uh, soul jazz. I like a lot, Mm. too. I like Pharrell Saunders a lot. I could keep going. <laughs> I, love, I love jazz, too. I play a little bit myself. Oh, nice. Yeah, play piano. Oh, okay. Um, tight, <laughs> yeah. tight. Yeah, I, I find myself actually the opposite. I can't relax when I'm listening to jazz. I think maybe because I've been studying it. So hmm. I find myself like really like, whoa, what was that? What are they doing? Trying to figure it out, you know? <laughs> For sure. That's how it is when I listen to rap music. Yeah. Which is why I don't listen to rap that much. Yeah. Really? Like, you don't? Not that much. I mean, a fair amount, but not as much as one would think because, mm. yeah, I'm always just like overanalyzing it. Yeah. It's hard to then just sit back and enjoy it. Enjoy it, it yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually, this is random, but um, I was watching somebody perform recently. I can't remember. Someone was freestyling, basically, is what was happening. I was watching someone rap, and I had never really thought before about the similarities between like improvising um, Mm -hmm. on whatever instrument in jazz and the 
rhythm part of being a rapper. Oh, yeah. Um, totally. And I'm just fascinated by that now. I can't stop thinking about it totally. when I look, watch someone perform. Do you find that coming across in like your delivery and that love of jazz? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm also a drummer, so okay. I'm not really a jazz drummer, but I love it, you know, and I respect it, and I'm into it a lot. And so, yeah, I, I think I think that definitely does affect like my cadences and my rhythm, and um, also like my care for the beat. Like, I don't really care that much about the beat. Like, as far as like staying locked into a traditional form of you know what it means to be on a beat, mm. um, I think definitely jazz you know influences me in that way yeah probably positively and negatively <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's where the laid back part comes from. yeah definitely definitely you're literally laying back from the beat <laughs> right right yeah and like when i listen to some of my older older stuff like there's some songs where they just don't really have any structure and i now kind of do that on certain songs where there's not really like a verse chorus type of structure um, but it's a little bit more organized. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's definitely like a jazz thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Drones on phones and they live pretentious. Control our homes with no resistance. Distracted action so relentless. Tragic fabric torn from tension. Havoc status born pretending. Never actually formed opinion. You river slow divisions. Increase the vision. You need the prisons. Mental, physical, so ridiculous. Miserable, pivotal, so ubiquitous. Children raised up so defenseless. From the ignorance, chases vigorous. Wisdom reminisce. Pain is syphilis. Strain is limitless. Blame the insulus. Tired of wishing, waiting, itching, taking the stake and flipping it. Sleeping on my people. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is the title of the full-length record mm -hmm. that came out this year. And I know you've talked a little bit about this already. Um, you had a great interview with Open Mike Eagle. Yeah, um, yeah. But on lurking, the word lurking. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually, after I listened to that interview, I looked into a little bit of like lurking ordinances that mm -hmm. you were talking about. Just fascinated by these really outdated antiquated right? laws apparently they actually overturned the lurking ordinance yep. this summer yep when did that idea first come into your mind of thinking about this idea of lurking it had to be when i was like a teenager mm. and um seeing like people lurking basically and not really knowing exactly well if they're from someone from the neighborhood or like the way I was raised was to be like really observational. Mm. Like uh, my dad is a really observational dude. So like if someone's on the block, he, you know, not really in a nosy way, but just kind of like, you know, who's on the block. And so when I was a kid, you know, I just started noticing, you know, growing up in South Minneapolis, like lots of people on the block and not necessarily on my block, just on the neighborhood and just trying to, you know, understand what really they're doing. Cause they're not at home and as a mm. kid you're like you go to school and you go home and you hang out with your friends but they weren't really hanging out with their friends they're doing something else so that was like i think maybe the first first inkling of that um but then really myself starting to lurk getting a little bit older and like going out and hanging out and so then understand that oh they maybe were just hanging out with their friends and i was just a kid and they were big scary people yeah and you know so kind of that idea of like oh it can mean multiple things and it could be multiple things you know yeah 
That's interesting that you bring up the scariness part of it because I think there is some connotation to that word lurking. Mm-hmm. Like it's not acceptable or it's not, you know, appropriate. Right, right, right. Yeah, like you're doing something bad mm-hmm. when you're lurking. Yeah, I mean, obviously in rap, people love to use words that mean the opposite, you know? Yeah. And so I think maybe I was drawn to it like that too. Um, but I do think that, you know, there's there's definitely some depth in like multiple meaning to it, you know? And, yeah. And just to words in general, you know, like nothing really means one thing. True. You know, especially no more. Right. <laughs> you know? That's true. So then where does the force to work half of the title come in? So the first to, force to work is really like that the, the phrase isn't even my phrase. Mm. Um, it was a phrase that I saw. It was a photograph of a skateboarder and it said born to lurk forced to work uh, and i was like oh well, that's kind of tight so that's that's what i originally saw it on. i can't take credit for coming up with this saying but then i was just trying to think about like really what it meant to me you know and there was that time in my life from age maybe 21 to 23 25 mm-hmm. where it was like all right you kind of gotta pick it up a little bit like you can't not work you know what i mean (laughs) so when i was young it was like oh i don't gotta work i don't gotta do nothing like i'm out the house i can you know that type of thing yeah it was like nah you gotta grow up dude you know and so that that's the the initial meaning of what it was for me and so the initial meaning overall was just born to lurk forced to work born to lurk was me being you know that young teenager and, and you know fresh out the house yeah get to do whatever my family lived in north carolina and i lived here so i was like running around you know like <laughs> and then forced to work so that transitioning from you know like a boy to a man type of thing right but then it just started growing at you know deeper meanings as i was writing songs and trying to be more deep yeah quote unquote <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i think that's kind of what it with forced to work was was just kind of like growing up type of thing how old are you now 29 all right Yo. just a couple of years younger than me i'm 32 okay <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a very pivotal time yeah. leading up to like 25 mm-hmm. i read recently that your brain isn't finished developing emotionally until you're 25 really it's like that makes so much sense seriously <laughs> i was definitely emo from like 19 to 25 oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah things yeah things feel very intense right you right feel everything on a really deep level <laughs> so real <laughs> nothing is worse than what's happening to you at that point yeah. in time <laughs> or i should say things that are happening yeah to you because i still feel things on a really deep level but now i mm-hmm. feel like i'm thinking more about things outside of myself right right thinking about the world and that can feel very heavy but yeah, mm-hmm. my own dramas have kind of simmered down <laughs> right right yeah and i try i try to use that to make myself feel better from like down and out on myself like come on dude there's so much worse like you got to be one of the better ones yeah. to help, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Like, okay, I got this. Yeah. You know. Dreddy Murphy, your 
Pressing the limit, something Percy. Good gimmick, no love for a critic, you could curse me. Over time, you sleeping in, I'm waking early. Stretching, rolling, and burning the poke. The Merlin. Greed wizards, I'm living the physic, check the sermon. So exquisite, the growth is prolific, change the curve. You picking verses, I'm stitching the verses you can purchase. Stay productive, increase the potential, never worthless. So, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because I was reading about the new EP and this article um, on Afropunk wrote about you and brought up this idea of radical self-care. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested in that concept and self-care in general. Um, and it's part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast series. Where does that enter into your life, this, this idea of self-care? For me, my self-care is like very important but not number one important for me at this point in time. Mm. And it's mostly just because there's a lot of different things going on as far as family wise. And Mm. I have to be like a little bit more of the, you know, older person to help out, you know, someone a little bit younger. But to me, it's really important. The the idea of self care through um, like identifying your problems and, being okay with having problems yeah for me self-care is through my music and my art and my expression and i don't think a lot of people get to express themselves Mm. you know and so a lot of people have a lot of stuff pent up and i I try not to pin stuff up i try to like be really honest with people and really you know just be be honest with myself i think i think self-care has to do with self-honesty yeah you know yeah and realizing like when you're kind of messing up and when you're kind of on point though too you know <laughs> and celebrating yourself right you know? right and uh there's just a random thing but i was listening to some podcasts which one was it i can't remember but it doesn't matter because we're on your podcast <laughs> and they were talking about the idea of body movements for energy and how like most people when they succeed something they like put their hands up you know like in a victory pose yeah and they like did a study about people that take victory poses versus um inward poses so like our poses versus inward poses so like cross legs and like crossed arms and stuff Mm. like that and so then they took like two groups of people and they had some of them do victory poses for like 30 seconds and then they had them go into an interview and then they had other people do like inward poses for like 30 seconds and then had them go into it do an interview and then they asked them the interviewer who they would hire and they didn't tell them what they were doing and the per they said almost every time it was the victory poses huh. and so it was like this there's something going on inside your brain when you do a victory pose that it like actually makes you feel better wow and um even even blind people do it and so that's something that after I read that, I've been doing that. And I've been doing that for almost a couple of years now. Like really? sometimes if I'm down and out, I'll just look in the mirror and like put my hands up. <laughs> like fella cootie, like, yeah, boy, <laughs> you got this, you know, and try to pump myself up. Yeah. So I think that's probably uh, self-care. Interesting. <laughs> that's so fascinating to me that the mind and the body are connected in all yeah. these ways that we can't even identify sometimes. Right? And we don't even realize it, like, yeah. you know, and we take ourselves for granted yeah. in that way, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, you can help yourself if you were more in tune with yourself. Right. You know? Right. One thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is the idea of being okay with, with the fact that you even have problems. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think a lot of people 
maybe just assume that other people don't so they feel like they have to present themselves as like perfect you're right right um, were you able like growing up and and coming into yourself were you able to be honest with problems that came up with my family absolutely um that's one thing that's great is my parents they've always been they've never really chastised me like if i was to do something wrong i could always be honest with them and they would be like all right well what are you finna do about it type of thing you know and they always were like you know live by example don't tell me what you're gonna do better just do better yeah you know and so i think that that's definitely helped me be a little bit more open um I think one thing I do have a difficulty with is uh, articulating, mm. you know, articulating exactly what it is that, you know, I, I feel bad about or, yeah. you know, that I might have a problem with or, you know, or even just like, why am I angry about this? Mm. Trying to find the core, not just like that exact specific, you know, instance, but like trying to find the core of the anger. Right. Because a lot of times it's a lot deeper. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, how are you able to do that? I don't think I've mastered it yet, <laughs> but I think I just ask a lot of questions to people around me. Yeah. People that know me best, but really I also try to ask questions about like my history, you know, and trying to understand like the idea that I've only been around for such a short period of time, but all the things that have made me have been around for a very long period of time. Mm. And so trying to take into consideration all of those things and realizing it's bigger than me, you know? Yeah. I am bigger than me because there's so many different things that have led into making me, you know? Yeah. Like all my parents' experiences, like everything they've been through. And I don't want to short credit that, so... I try to consider it or just ask them, you know, right. That type of thing. Are you able to talk to other people in the music scene about things that come up interpersonally, like depression or anxiety or substance abuse? Or is that something that's discussed in the artist community? I mean, with, with people that I'm really close with. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really close with that many people in the artist community. I'm a little bit insular in a bad way. Like, I'm trying to be more, like, outgoing. Mm. And I think that has something to do with self-care. Like, I'm, like, shielding myself. Mm. And I got to let let the guard down a little bit. But the people that I'm really close with, absolutely. Yeah. You know, which is the reason why I'm close with them. You know, it's because right. we can be honest with each other. Right. Um, But I think it, it's hard because a lot of times... You're mostly just crossing paths with people in like a party setting, like a alcohol consumption, out going out setting, you know. Right. Which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have my release at the at the at the gallery at Public Functionaries because I just didn't want like even though there was still you know beer and alcohol being sold there for people to consume, but it wasn't based around it, you know. Right. And so it was just more about like people coming together and. You know, actually interacting, not just like getting wasted to the, together type thing. You know? Right. But yeah, I, th- I think that 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 would probably help me if if I had more day to day interactions with people. 
I'm out of pace, it's no exaggerations. I don't need to use the vision, got the intuition. I can see you through the mission, mental big condition. You can read up the description, get the bigger picture. They pocket sticking in a snicker, eating turkey dinners. They flood the streets with the police. I'm low key, they never need to know me. The OGs turn to yeah, and that ain't shit sweet. Keep a code D, they can keep their mouth closed when them boys speak. Just keep it all in moderation. It's overdue. Have fun, keep the occupation. Creating if you can. Maintaining is the obligation. While living the truth. If I look anxious, blame the complications. Just don't overdo. Everything in moderation. What's the song Moderation about? Moderation is about. I think it's me writing a letter to some to uh, some of my friends and family members. And to myself, <laughs> without trying to be like, um, like I'm better than anyone mm. by talking about it. Yeah, you know, because I have my problems too. I think that's just something we say a lot. Like me and my friends, we say that a lot. We're like, well, everything in moderation. So it was kind of a joke, but then it was like, well, maybe we should talk about it because the idea right now is like everyone's a drug addict, and it's like cool, quote unquote. And, like, I know real drug addicts. I grew up with kids that are drug addicts, and it is not anything pretty about it. Yeah. You know? And so when you see these, like, rich artists that can glamorize it in a cool way, it's like, you're rich. Who cares, dude? You can make anything look cool. Yeah. You know? But the kids don't know that. They just see cool. Right. You know? And success when I was young, it wasn't it wasn't about that. It was about being smart, and it was about like quiet, scary, like people that were quiet because you know they were scary, you know, <laughs> not just like opening your mouth like ah, look what I do, look at these drugs I take, and showing it on Instagram and yeah. Do people do so, that? Oh, yeah. I'm following the wrong people, I guess. Or no, you're following the right people. The right people. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, you know, there, there's a lot of people that like to show off their lifestyle. Mm. And I'm not I'm not to judge anyone for their lifestyle. You know, I just want people to be healthy. Yeah. And especially people I care about. You yeah. know, that's all it is. And but everybody makes their own decisions at the end of the day. Going back to that Afropunk article that I, I read about you, um, there was also the idea of moderating your participation in um, activism and mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I, I couldn't tell if that was the writer saying that they related to it in that way or if that was at the core of what you were yeah I think that, at as well. I think that was the writer that was uh I mean they wrote a, a sweet article uh, props to them uh I don't know how I feel about that I mean I think I think it's important to be able to maintain yourself and your community you know and if you can't maintain yourself, then it might be hard to maintain your community. Yeah. And if your if your community isn't maintained, then it might be hard to maintain yourself. So, do you participate in like the Black Lives Matter protests, or do you consider yourself an activist? I don't think that people who are activists should consider themselves activists. Mm. I think they should just be activists. I definitely have full support and love for Black Lives Matter movement. I've been to a couple of the protests and seen some amazing things, some beautiful things. Um, 
as of recently, I have I didn't go to the last uh, the whole Justice for Jamar Fourth Precinct thing. I was out of town for part of it, and also um, I grew up in that area, sort of like a lot of my family's from that area, and I felt a little bit endangered being there mm. and in that area. So I just kind of been laying low. Yeah, uh, I've been a victim of police brutality in the past, and it's not fun. And so where I'm at with it personally is I'm not trying to put myself in a position to get brutalized anymore. And But I fully support anyone that is doing that, going down there and holding it down. I'm definitely, you know, I don't have any negative words for anyone that wants to do that. Just personally, I've gotten hit in the head with, a, you know, police tools before and I don't want I don't want to get hit anymore <laughs> but right where I am right now with my activism is I'm just trying to be the best example that I can be and try to put out positive art that can influence people because art influences people at a high level and we don't even give it the credit that it deserves on that level and so there's a lot of things that people don't really realize are negatively affecting them through other people's art and i'm not knocking i love like some you know negative music but there needs to be a balance in there and so you know i'm just trying to lead by example and do what i can to help you know one thing that you talked about with open mic eagle was um the way that you were treated at a very popular venue here oh yeah yeah cities and just Kind of thinking about that instance and all of the conversations that have been happening this year about disparities and race Mm -hmm. in Minneapolis. I'm curious to know your perspective on kind of navigating the music scene here in the Twin Cities as a black man. Are there places where you don't feel safe? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's not even just the music scene, it's the city as a whole. Yeah. And it's like growing up, having to navigate the city and understanding where you can be at certain times and when you shouldn't be doing certain things. And Mm. there are definitely like places that I I don't support at all. And I'm just going to go ahead and put out there that uh, Fine Line is one of those places. Um, I'm not, there's other places that I don't need to say their name, but them in particular, I don't really appreciate their staff. One thing that amazes me about certain promoters in town, um, specifically um, Jake and Greenroom, is that he's been able to put together some events that draw really mixed audiences mm-hmm. that is really inspiring to me to see. I'm curious what you think about uh, your audience that you're speaking to and who do you find yourself performing in front of most often? Well, I think it kind of depends. Yeah, in those situations, it's a mixed audience. And I think that's because it's just about involving everyone and then everyone will come out, yeah. you know, and no one feeling like they're going to be judged for who they are, what they're wearing or who they came with and, or even what they're trying to do while they're there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that um, opens it up a little bit. Um which I think that that's just overall kind of the scene of the youth right now, mm. you know, like, which is, it's a change in, I've noticed a change in my fan base, even in like shows where it's like, wow, it's starting to get a little more mixed in here. This is dope. And it's cause yeah, the kids don't care. You know what I mean? They're not, they don't feel it the way we feel it. And, right. and uh, but 
we have to keep it that way because they can get older because that's how it was when we were young too mm. at least for me you know like i had a very mixed group of friends you know and now we don't all so much hang out anymore yeah you know it's even my group of friends is a little bit more segregated and i think it might partially be because what people you know people just grow up and start staying at home more but it's also like as that happens you have to start being more conscious of things conscious of calling people and making it a certain way otherwise it just won't be that way right you know right because we're not at school every day yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah Hmm. thank you for talking to me about that yeah for sure i was really curious to hear what people have to say i think about accessibility in like every way like our venues accessible to every kind of person you know even from yeah not so much here yeah (laughs) i think most venues are not accessible for females in the city um so that's one big thing yeah and and then you know in addition to that then you have you know spots that aren't accessible for people that you know, our LGBT, mm-hmm. you know, and you have, is did I say that right? LGBT, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> LGBTQ? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, you know, you have spots that are accessible for different races and, and even just different styles of people, you know? And right. I think that that comes with the corporatization of places. Like, I think the city used to be a little bit more grassroots. There's like a lot of punk houses and there still are that type of thing going on, but it was much more, it was much more grassroots, you know, like I would be at a punk house, but see like all my hood homies there and it's not, they weren't there to never even necessarily listen to the punk, but that's just where everybody was hanging. That was the spot. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, but now you have these corporate companies that aren't even from around here and they buy up clubs and then they just start you know, shuffling artists and they just hire people off Craigslist, no hate to Craigslist or getting hired off that. <laughs> but it's not people that are doing it for the scene or for the love or for the people. They're yeah. doing it strictly for the money. And so they're just farming people. You know what I mean? It's just like it's like H and M concert venues. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like no shade to H and M, but it's just like <laughs> It's just run of the mill. It's just like the same thing everywhere. And it's business. Yeah, you know, it's business. And it's not personal at all. And that's the problem. Because then you got people that are just treating people terribly. Yeah. And there's no accountability because it's so corporate, you know? Right. Which is just weak. I think everyone should just be accountable for their actions, you know, whether you're on job or not. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. I think that's really cool that you were able to hold an event at an art gallery and just kind of claim a new space and say this is just going to be about music and the people that are here to support it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's funny you say new space because we had an event called New Space at First Avenue a while ago. But when we did that, that was kind of the idea was that we're trying to create a new space inside of First Avenue. And when we did the one at public functionary was the same type of thing we almost called it new space 2.0 we were like nah since it's not first half we're not gonna do that (laughs) but um but yeah you know that's kind of the idea is like to create new spaces for ourselves because there are plenty of spaces around here right you know it's just about claiming your space and you know being chill about it and people will be chill with you right yeah right on so we'll have new music from you soon yeah absolutely a whole lot a whole lot of new music i'm working on producing a few projects 
cool. For some other people. And is Zulu Zulu still active? Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, and we Yeah. That's some things. Yeah. Yeah. The idea really for, for for Zulu Zulu is we just we want it to be the best that it can be. And we don't uh wanna pressure ourselves to, you know, make something. We just want it to like flow and so we have some amazing things but we just want it to be like right everything perfect yeah and so i'm excited for it well thank you so much for talking to me yeah absolutely this was really nice definitely <laughs> i know you've got the old but art can take its toll the way we treat our soul you gotta let it go for us to grow we gotta let it go Thank you to Greg Grease for stopping by for the chat and for speaking so openly about his experiences in the community. You can find links to all of Greg's latest work over at thecurrent.org along with an archive of today's episode. Keep an eye out, too. As Greg said, he's going to have even more music to share in 2016. This has been another episode of The OK Show. I'm your host, Andrea Swenson. It's a podcast brought to you by The Current. And next week, we'll be back with another new episode featuring Holly Hansen. You know her from Zoo Animal, but she recently departed that band, broke it up. She's breaking out on her own to do some new things, and we're going to hear all about that experience and what it's like to try to leave your past music behind and start something new. Until next time, it's going to be okay. <laughs>